for time's sake, we might not even get to that last little book, bookmark because that's uh, a long section of scripture that we have. But uh, if you remember back to the beginning of Gen- uh, Genesis 12, 11, actually, there was a lineage as well. And you'll see a lot of times in Genesis, they'll have a lineage to kind of bookmark a story. Um, but it's already, it's already noon. Family, you've heard already, we have to actually leave this building, be all out by one o'clock today because of a, an open house that the school is doing. And so they've asked me specifically, make sure you're out by one. And uh, last time that they asked us to be out by one, I guess they said there was a lot of noise still about the building. <laughs> and so uh, I know as hard as this is, we want to try to honor the request as best as we can. So um, uh, please no yelling, loud yelling, as they're having potential um, students come and see the building. So with that said, let me pray for us, and we're going to jump right into Genesis 22. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would keep us alert, awake, asking good questions as we look at your text this morning. I pray that the, uh, the, the warm weather would not keep us from doing that. Lord, prick our hearts. Uh, even now, may we be, we'll just be whispering to ourselves, uh, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. Um, speak to our hearts. Allow us not just to do another exercise of getting into your word, um, but open our hearts, Father. We love you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys doing okay? A lot of new spaces. I love this. The clock down here actually has the temperature too, so it's 85.1 down here. I know you could be in another church with air conditioning, but you're here. Praise God. So, again, for for time's sake, um, I didn't realize these were all going to come up one at a time. Let me just bring up all these points. If you remember, we've been in, in Abraham's life for the past, I don't know, maybe... Ten weeks or so, um, quite a while, and we've seen a lot of good and bad in Abraham's life, and and that's the main reason that I want to remind us. Um, Nick did a great job of reminding us of chapter 21 last week, but the family we've we've been able to see both uh, great moments of faith in this man's life, and we've been able to see um, hard moments of disbelief uh, and sin, and uh, the biblical author. Uh, is not painting um, a rosy-colored picture here, but rather sharing the truth of an ordinary man called by God um, to do his work, to believe and to be the father of a nation, and to be fa- father of Israel and spiritual Israel, which we are here today. So it's, it's amazing to see that, uh, again, remember where we've been, and if you're just joining us this morning, go back in your, in your times with the Lord this week and read through uh, chapter 12, and on to 22. So we're going to move right into um, test time. A lot of times when I look at this passage of Scripture, or even hear other people talk about it, um, it's almost like we have this mindset where, hmm, I just have to be better prepared for the next test that God will have me go through. Uh, and unfortunately, that's kind of a, a nearsighted um, view of this chapter. Not only is it nearsighted, but it's very self-focused. And so we really want to get uh, into our exegetical mindsets, asking what is the uh, intent of the original author this morning? Why do we have this story in the scriptures? And I want to see that the goal is walking with God. It's constant submission. It's, just, it's not just waiting for uh, the next test that God will test your faith in. Um, it's much bigger than that. <laughs> 
And as I look back at the, uh, the things that God has had me go through in my life, tests here and there, I didn't know that I was in them at the time. It's usually afterwards <laughs> that you wake up and you're like, whoa. I think God just had me go through that to, to, um, to grow my faith, to challenge my faith, to purify my faith. And so some questions, guys. I'm going to put two questions here. Um, again, I know this is the beginning of the sermon. Usually you have these at the end. I want you to be writing these down. If you can write down these two questions. Do you believe that God is good? And do you, believe, do you love the gift more than the giver? Um, write those questions down and, and, and think about them as we go through this text. And again at the end, okay? I know you guys are writing those down. Do you believe that God is good And do you love the gift more than the giver? Two huge questions from this text. So we looked at uh, this passage for sake of time. I'm not going to reread all of the sections, but we're going to look at them as we go through them exegetically. And so we see, first and foremost, the way that God comes to Abram. Look at the way that he talks about his son. There's, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Um, this is kind of a linguistic uh, a way of really focusing attention to the request. And you even see it in chapter 12 where, you know, God comes to Abram and says, you know, leave your people, your country, all these things, and follow me. Um, so again, general to specific accentuates the importance. Uh, this is his son, guys. He just, at 100, over 100 years old, he was just born a son that God has been, had promised uh, 30 years prior. <laughs> and not to mention, in the last chapter, he had this son that was through uh, his wife Sarai's slave woman, Hagar, Ishmael. And he was sent away in the last chapter. So there's no other, you know, even close to offspring now in Abraham's life. This is it. This is Isaac. Isaac was probably the most important thing in Abram's life. And again, this passage is going to show us, except for God. That's the point. Burnt offering, okay. Um, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. And, and I don't know, I was asking myself as I was going through, Lord, what's the whole thing about burnt offerings? What, why does God ask him to, to, to do this? Why does God ask anybody throughout the Old Testament to do a burnt offering? We realize this, this concept of sacrifice, that we need to give things to God because he's the ultimate giver. He owns all things. And it shows our trust, our dependence on him when we give back to him. Um, but why, why burn it? I don't know. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But as I was, was processing through some, uh, some texts, um, because in the ancient's mind, that was a way in which, you know, the burned item, the smoke would rise up to God. And so it was almost a way of God taking that item. Um, so just something that I was asking a question of. Not a huge piece to this, but that's why I burnt offerings. And the only other time prior to this in Genesis was in, uh, with Noah. When Noah, when he got off the ark, after God had spared his life, he took some of the clean animals and, uh, and did burnt offerings there as well. Okay, so I know you're trying to say, what is this? This is a topographical map of the Mount Moriah region, Okay. And so Abraham, we know that he's traveled three days to this mountainous region. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or not. I didn't until I looked at Second um, Chronicles 3.1, but the Mount Moriah region is actually Jerusalem. And, uh, and so 
You can see some of the higher areas, the Temple Mount, so that's where uh, Solomon built his temple. Golgatha, off to the right, that's where Jesus was killed. Um, again, guys, the reason that I put this, because um, I think God wants us to know and constantly think about Jesus in this passage. And I think even from this very beginning of Mount Moriah, um, this is where Jesus was killed. I don't know if you ever thought about that. This very spot that he's asked Isaac to go to sacrifice his son. It's interesting. So, so early the next morning, I love that. Early the very next morning, look at the immediacy. He, he doesn't like sit around and think, okay, how am I going to do this? Do I really want to do this? No, the very next morning, he got up and left on this three-day voyage. It was, uh, it was very much of a Abraham acting quickly. Uh, so he got up, he saddled his donkey, he took what he needed. Um, and this is even interesting too, he cut enough wood for this burnt offering. Remember guys, he's got to travel for three days, like with a donkey, <laughs> carrying stuff. Why would he cut the wood where he is now, as opposed to just cutting it when he gets there? I mean, there could be some other reasons, but uh, I think it's to make this point that all the things that were necessary for the offering were with him when he left, the wood and Isaac. As as, as act of faith, like I'm I'm ready, I'm I'm ready to do this, Lord. Third day again, we've got a long trip. Uh, can you imagine, Abraham, three days of walking through the wilderness next to his son, connecting, hanging out, um, the whole time thinking I'm I'm about to to kill you. I mean I can I'm I'm about to be a father here in four weeks. I can only imagine. <laughs> The, the hardness that that would have been. Um, so lots of time to contemplate what he was doing and time to second-guess it, time to go back, which he didn't. This is an also an interesting imagery. Uh, Isaac here, as they go up the mountain, Isaac is the one that the wood is put on. Um, and again, if you were taking a sacrifice up a mountain, a goat, a lamb some other animal, that you would also do the same thing. You would put the wood on the animal and they would also double as a beast of burden, the, the beast that carries the elements. I think it's again this imagery of, of Isaac indeed being the one that's going to be killed. So Isaac spoke up and this is where he asks the question. I don't know about you guys, but as I read this, this passage, I think, is he just now thinking about that? You know, <laughs> he's probably been thinking about it the whole trip also. Um, but it also shows us kind of a, an age piece here because uh, the very previous chapter he was born and so all we have in the beginning of chapter 22 is some time went by. Um, but it, it would appear since he's able to ask a question and have dialogue with his father, you know, he's, uh, he's not a man yet because he still refers to him as a boy. Uh, but he, you know, uh, he might be 10 years old, 12 years old, um, maybe even a little bit older. Uh, he's got intellectual uh, prowess. He's, he's thinking. Um, so, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abram answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. So Isaac's probably a little scared at this point. He's probably, 
hmm, I'm carrying the wood. I haven't seen another animal for a while. <laughs> um, what's going on here? And look at, look at Abram's response. It kind of, at first thought, uh, it kind of comes across like, I don't know. Um, but, but he knows very well what's about to happen. And it, and, and it wasn't vague or ambiguous at all. Um, he says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. We're going to look at that phrase here a little bit more in depth. So first, in the Levitical system of sacrifice, this is, just, again, another side note, the sacrifice offerer provides the animal. Uh, wait a minute. So it says God himself will provide the lamb. So that means that, that God is going to be the one that provides the offering, the, the animal for the offering, not Abram, which is really interesting because it looks like it's Abram, right? Um, and again, a lot of commentators think this is foreshadowing what God will ultimately do. Well, A, he's going to provide the lamb, but also his son, Jesus, um, thousands of years later. And we're going to get to that in just a minute, folks. Just, just hold that in the back of your mind. Um, so yeah, and this is also interesting as well. Abram isn't necessarily being ambiguous. My son could be taken appositionally uh, to burnt offering. And so and when, you, when you use something in apposition, it's usually two nouns that were right after another. Um, you know, like my friend Lily, you know, like friend and Lily are in apposition. They're the same thing. Very, similarly, a lot of the commentators think the way that this is worded, the burnt offering my son, I know there's a comma there, and it makes us almost think like it's something separate, um, but the way that the Hebrew is written, this could have also been Abram saying, uh, well, the offering is you, my son. Um, no response by Isaac, at least not when it's captured. <laughs> okay, so fam, this is where it's going to get a little, a little graphic. And I want you to really... Think with me. Um, we, don't, we don't always do this, but go on this, this journey. So these, this father and the son, he's an old man at this point. He's waited his whole life for a son. Not to mention God has promised him a son. So they're climbing up this mountain together. He's looking over. His son's got this wood on his back. In his hand, he's got a big knife, <laughs> and he's got some fire. They didn't have lighters back then, so he's, he's got to carry the fire or... It could have also been maybe a flint, something to make a fire. So he's carrying these items to make the sacrifice. They're going up this mountain together. They're probably having small talk. The whole time, Abraham's thinking, what is he thinking? What do you guys think? I'm sure he's not excited. What would cause somebody to follow God to this extreme. Is that, is this, does this text make you think about that? What? Total devotion. Total trust. I mean, there's been a track record here of, of, of Abram messing up <laughs> and not believing, but there's also been a lot of times where, where Abram saw God work powerfully. Guys, there was an intimacy to this relationship um, that sometimes I just, I just long for all of us to have. I know we're not in this, this time period um, where Abram was a prophet. He was a specific role in the church history. Um, but this is, a, this is a, he believed that God was good. It's the only way he could have done this. There's no other way that he would have done anything like this. 
And not to question God, not to say, God, are you sure? Um, I thought thought you had a plan for Isaac. I mean, it's to the point where I would not doubt it if Abraham really believed that if he killed his son, God would bring him back from the dead. I mean, that's how, that, that was his trust. He just knew, okay, God, I know you have a plan through this, through this boy, and I, I'm forced to trust you right now. So graphic picture of obedience. I mean, can you imagine? They're putting this wood in a big pile. They're building a bonfire. I don't know if you guys have gone camping before, but this was a big bonfire. They're putting this wood together. And then he takes his son and he puts him on top of this huge pile of wood. Can you imagine his son just kind of looking at him like, okay, Dad, if, if you want me to. His son's not trying to run away. He's not fighting. And right before he does that, he binds his hands just like he would an animal. He binds him. He puts him on top of this, this big pile of wood. The fire is off to the side, ready. Um, but first he's got to kill the sacrifice. And he, he probably bound him so that, so that he didn't miss, so that the boy didn't squirm, um, so that it would be a direct kill immediately. I mean, this is, this is how graphic the Bible is here. He's about to kill his son. Family, to what extent is God calling, leading us to sacrifice in our lives? I think we would be a, a huge miss if we, if we didn't stop and, and really think about that this morning. Lord, what are you calling me to, to give up? And, and, and family, this is interesting. I think all too often we, we just kind of like, oh man, God wants me to give that. God wants to give me that or give up that. Don't forget that Everything we have is a gift from him. He is the giver. And, and oftentimes when, it's not like he, he, he's calling you, oh, just throw away that skill for him. No, he's saying give that skill to him so that it will actually be used in his kingdom. He's not saying, oh, go burn your house down. He's saying, give your house to me that I might use it for my glory. Your car, whatever your possessions are that you struggle to give to God, I'm convicted by this. I mean, <laughs> I, I take good care of my stuff. I'm <laughs> but it's God's stuff. It's not my stuff. That's the problem. So think about that this morning. Oh, and by the way, uh, doesn't the Bible call us to, to daily die to ourselves, to live for him? Um, again, family, this idea of sacrifice is much deeper than just giving a few things aside. If you're a Christian here today, that means that you've said, God, I want to die to myself and I want to live for you. It's saying, I think that you know how to run my life way better than I do. I trust you. The decisions that I want to make, the places that I want to go in life, you know what? I need to lay those aside and say, God, where do you want me to go? What a great Sunday to have this amazing family, the Hermillers here, sharing their story. I think that's a little, little glimpse of, man, that's what it means to obey. And I know a lot of you, we've, family, we've made a lot, a lot of people have said, why are you moving down to Detroit? <laughs> it's a sacrifice to be here. 
And so I know that I'm not talking to a crowd that doesn't understand this. You guys have made many sacrifices to be here. You can be in a far more comfortable neighborhood than in the 48214. Sacrifice isn't throwing your gifts away. It is giving them to God. I just want to stress that again, family. Um, God isn't calling you just to go and be a hermit and live in a corner. He's saying, give what I give you, or take what I give you, and give it back to me on an ongoing basis. Let every decision that you make be, oh, this is God's stuff. My life is God's. Family, do we believe this morning that God is good? Like deep down in our hearts. Sometimes it takes tests to show us that. I was thinking in my own life, Lord, is there an image, is there a picture that I could leave with the family of God this morning uh, of what does it mean to say, no, I believe that God is good. Um, and, and I hope this is, I'm going to talk about my wife because I couldn't think of any immediate good stories in my life. Um, a lot of you know my, my awesome wife, Kelty, and uh, you know that her dad died when, he, when she was 13. And, but a lot of you don't know that he was a pastor. He was an amazing man of God. He gave his life to youth in their community. As I hear stories, there's stories about how he always had young men uh, around teaching them. And he, he really relationally included them in his life. He wasn't uh, just to stand off and just meet me at church. He would always, he would organize outdoors trips with kids. Um, he, 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 he was an amazing man, and he loved his family well. Uh, his family was provided for. Um, he, was an, he was a great man. And guys, I don't, I say all that to say, my wife would have had, in a worldly way, she would have been able to be validated left and right if she got mad at God when he died. But she didn't. By God's grace, she said, Lord, I believe that you're good. And I'm going to continue to serve you. I'm not going to let this change the trajectory of my life. We often see that. We see a, a, a catastrophe, something tragic happen in people's lives. And they say, that's it, God, I'm throwing in the towel. This Christian thing, it's not for me. Because there was an inability to believe that God is good, even in those hard times. I can't tell you how many times I'm, I'm sitting here talking with someone and they're just like, I'm so mad at God right now. And I'm thinking, he's good. <laughs> Do you really, really think that he wants you to be in pain and hurt and if it's not for the greater glory, the greater good? Damn, do we believe this? Because if we do, then we'll give things up left and right. If we don't, we'll hold on tight to our plastic pearls and we'll never get the real ones. So fam, is God good this morning? And look what happened. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by his horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abram called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So fam, this is one of the first, uh, yeah, I think it is the first time in the uh, Old Testament where we see this idea of a life substituted, where his boy gets to live because there's an animal, a lamb, that's sacrificed, that's, that's given instead. 
this idea of substitutionary atonement, which is huge throughout the rest of the Bible. This ought to point us to the ultimate substitutionary lamb that has been sacrificed, Jesus. It says that he was led, he was like a lamb, led uh, to the altar on our behalf. And family, we can't help but look at this passage and not think of what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. And it's interesting. I mean, I mean we said it earlier, I'm Mount Moriah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. This is Isaiah 53. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. And again, we're talking about God's son here. We're not talking about Isaac anymore. Family, this is real. God gave his only son for you that we might believe, that we might say, God, I, I, I have, it's the only way that my sins can be forgiven and I can be restored to a relationship with you. This story this morning of, of Abram and Isaac ought to point our glance towards what God has done for us by, his, by giving up his son to die on the cross for our sins. So if you're, I don't, I don't know where everybody is this morning. If, uh, if you are a believer, I pray that this is encouraging to you and that you will continue to daily um, give your life to God because of what he's done on the cross for you. If you're an unbeliever this morning, this is true, family. Someone has actually died so that you can be forgiven. And our response is to repent and say, God, I need you. I'm tired of doing things my own way. I'm sinful. And I need a substitutionary atonement. I need my sins to be paid for, to be right with you. Family, consider that this morning. We, uh, yeah, and then in family, we see these amazing promises. We're, we're towards the end here. Um, we actually have to be done. But the angel of the Lord called Abram from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. And because you have done these things and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Family, I could spend a whole another sermon just speaking on this promise, um, this prophetic promise of, of Israel. And I want to remind us that this promise applies to all of us here this morning who have put our faith in Jesus as our substitutionary atonement. We are spiritual Israel. See, there's a lot of confusion in the world today. Oh, I just need to be ethnic Israel. I just need to be a part of this family. Well, the New Testament makes it very clear that it's by faith in Christ that you become a part of this family. And so this promise, this amazing promise that we see back here by the angel of the Lord, which oftentimes is Jesus himself in the Old Testament, take that in this morning, family. You're a part of a much bigger body than just here at Mac Ave. We're a part of 
descendants that are as the sand on the shore, the stars in the sky. You're not alone. We're in this together, family. Praise God. So as we close this morning, I want to go back to those two questions. Do you struggle to love the gift more than the giver? I challenge you, family, wrestle with that question. Lay down those gifts. Experience true life because it's found in the giver. And family, do you believe that God is good? Even if a tragedy doesn't happen tomorrow, will you live every day in submission to Christ? As though he indeed is your true treasure. Family, I'm convinced that as we do this in community, in this community, the lives are going to be changed. This community is going to change. Because the gospel speaks clearly to the traps in this community. Family, pray with me. Holy God, we ask that you would allow this truth to go deep in our hearts. Lord, that we would be a people that daily die to ourselves and live for you. Lord, that we would take the sacrifice, O God, humbly that you have given on our behalf and glory in it, that we are now your children. I pray, Father, that this would radically affect our desire for you, Lord, that we would be a people that longs to hear, that long to hear from you, that would spend time daily in your presence, that would develop deep relationships like you had with Abram. Lord, lead us, we pray. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, we're going to close with a song of worship. Before we do that, we're going to take tithe.